Hello again. Thank you for being here today, Anna and Brian. For those that have not listened to the previous interview with Anne and Brian, I encourage you to look at the first part of this interview before listening to this one, or you can always go back and listen to the first one. But this is the second part of the interview that we are sharing with you to share Brian and Anne's journey as they navigate through the challenges of Alzheimer's disease. So welcome, Brian and Anne. Thank you for being here. Okay, so now we are diving into the next part of this interview, which is Brian's employment experiences. So Brian, you mentioned you were working at the time of your diagnosis. Yes. Can you tell us how this diagnosis impact your employment? Well, I was a route driver. I delivered to convenience stores, gas stations, et cetera. And it just immediately, I just immediately had to stop working because things were, I was getting lost. I was misplacing things. I was delivering to the wrong store and other situations that I was a union steward. So I had that bugging me. Mm. But I don't know. They pretty much said. You're out the door. Well, but not exactly. They they did ask if he wanted to work in the warehouse and I had already had a run in with one of the foremans or supervisors, whatever you want to call them. We just didn't think that that was a mm. good fit. I would have wound up getting fired. And it wasn't possible for him just to ride with somebody else. So we felt that it would just be best for him to stop working. I will say that after he started on medication, he wasn't getting lost like he was. And and maybe, you know, a little bit of time might have helped, but I think there would have been a liability. Okay. Um, So. What um, what medication was he on? Which medication did he start in? Oh, well, he start first, he started on Aricept, which actually he took that for nine days and lost 17 pounds. Oh, wow. He was very, very sick. So, and that was while he was working. Okay. Um, so then when they just took him off of that, actually things were spiraling down like really fast. Okay. And, um, like he was driving to go home and our street and, but then they put him on Exelon mm. and he's been taking that since and doing very well. He is on the highest dose. First, he started with the patch because okay. we didn't know if that would be better because of the stomach upset but now he does take the pills and doesn't have any problems at all. So excellent. Excellent. Okay. Was the reaction from Aricep, was that expected? Like, was it explained beforehand that that might be the side effect or no? Well, they just, they really didn't give us any warning that it would make him really sick. But what happened, he took it at night. And then he gets up for work at 2.30 in the morning. I was still sleeping. And so he was sick all day long. Mm. Like, 
stomach, like flu-like sick all day long. By the time he'd get home, he would be all right. And then we'd just start that cycle again. He'd say, well, I, I wasn't feeling very well. I didn't see it until the weekend. And then I was like, well, maybe we should do something else. And he was like, no, maybe it'll get better. It, it never got better. So okay. then we called the doctor and they said, just stop taking it. Okay. And talk to the doctor at his next appointment. But let me tell you that it was like a week and a half until that next appointment. That was terrible. That's when he got lost a lot. Oh. Um, really confused. I was afraid he was going to get fired from his job. Right. Um, before we knew what was going on. Okay. Oh, because he was very vocal that the problems were his boss's fault, my fault. Hmm. And yeah, it, it wasn't a fun time. Right, right. I can imagine. So what ended up happening? Brian, did you retire or did you get let go? I I retired. Yes, and they they were very, I will say, they were very, very supportive. We went through short-term disability, long-term disability, Mm -hmm. and Brian was going to have 20 years in October, Mm -hmm. so they kind of held it for him, and they granted him the 20 years, saying, you know, that, yes, he... He served their company for 20 years. They helped do, we threw a retirement party. They were very, very good. In my opinion, you know, they treated him very well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was, it was very hard for him not to be working, but I think we, I think we found a good fix to that. (laughs) Brian, what was the hardest part for not working? Being away from my customers. When I first started, I was dealing with customers that we had language difficulties. Mm-hmm. They were from a foreign country. And oh. a lot of times you're dealing with somebody, if they don't know what they're talking about, and you're trying to tell them what's going on. It doesn't quite work. One thing I got in the military is I don't like to be pointed at. We're told to go somewhere and they're pointing. I don't read points. I'm not a dog. Mm. And as I got these people to understand, a few years down the road, eventually they're running them stores. They are now the managers. And a couple of them became owners. Okay. So in that 20-year period, these owners now have new people working for them. Mm. And I'm still delivering to the same stores. Right. And these new people are trying to give me stress. And all of a sudden, the phone will ring. I said, mm-hmm. that's your boss. He's going to tell you what to do. How do you know it's my boss? I said, just talk to your boss. Yeah. And you could just see the color drain out of the face because his boss understood how I worked, what I did, mm-hmm. and how his store would run smoother. And One so thing, it was the friendship. It was the friendship. That yes. And when I retired. Within six months of my retirement, 50% of my customers left the company um, because of my ability to correct mistakes mm-hmm. and get problems solved. Mm-hmm. I was doing things that salespeople 
weren't doing. Mm-hmm. And so that's that, probably the camaraderie that I developed with these people, even though language wasn't right. Barrier, yeah. You know, Brian, that's such a great point. And it makes me wonder. I know you retired, but I, it, this makes me wonder if there was anything that your employer could do to keep you engaged at work. I had tried as a union steward during union negotiations to set it up where it'd be a second person in each vehicle that goes out on a route. Number one is a safety factor to watch the back of the truck Mm -hmm. or if the driver was injured or ill in that case. even just keep the driver awake. I know a lot of times I was probably snoozing while I was driving, but my suggestion in that was put down. They felt that it was an undue cost. Mm. I says, well, you are hiring security to ride with a few of our routes because they were traveling into some areas where you're liable to get shot. And I says, with this, you got one person in the back of the truck, one person taking stuff in and out, mm-hmm. less wear and tear on the vehicle. You don't have to open and close the door all the time, but they didn't see my logic. Okay. So I think what you're saying is you probably would have been the perfect second person, mm-hmm. but that wasn't how they had it set right. up. Right. So you probably had a lot that you could have done. You could have communicated, kept that communication with your customers, mm-hmm. kept that camaraderie and kept those accounts. But the company, your employer wasn't aware right away. I'm mm-hmm. sure they became aware when they lost those accounts. Yeah. You know, what a valuable asset you were. That's so. right. Yeah. It's unfortunate it has to be that way for them to realize that. But yeah. So um, hobbies, Brian, can you tell us, I understand that you're an avid mechanic. Yes. Can you tell us a little about your 1955 Chevy? No. Yeah, her name is Brianne. So we took Brian and Anne and put them together and she's Brianne, Brianne. She's your daughter. (laughs) Anyway, I've been mechanical since I was really young. Mm-hmm. I was the kind of kid who would take things apart mm-hmm. to see how it worked. I sometimes never successfully put it back together, but yet the pile of parts I had laying there would eventually go into something else I was building. I was always that way. The military, I used my mechanical skills mm-hmm. to involve a whole range of things. I was cross-training in heavy equipment. Mobile electric generators, refrigeration mechanics. I was trying to be of value in my job. Right. That if I was called upon to do something, I'd do it. And then as I got back home out of the military, I wanted to be in my old cars. I've owned a number of 55 Chevys, and I eventually found this one, and it was a basket case. I've owned it since 1981. Mm-hmm. And it was still a dream. It was nothing but a dream. And I kept, someday I was going to get to it. Mm-hmm. Or when I met Anne, we got married. She says, 
she encouraged me to finally complete this car, which I did, or which we have. We did. We did. It was. I always wanted to put a Chevy 409 in, which was Chevrolet's first big block. Okay. But one time I had to sell that motor in order to stay ahead of the game. I was laid off from that work in order to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. I had to settle for a Chevy 348, which is the little brother to that 409. And we've put over 120,000 miles on that motor in 23 years. Wow. Okay. Very soon that engine will be coming out Mm -hmm. and the 409 will go in thanks to our youngest son. Okay. Who was determined to find me another 409. Nice. And has three sons and I had a son. Mm-hmm. And I count all four of them, or we count all four of them as ours. Together, we have Brianne. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. And she's purple and lavender and definitely female. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> drama, <Yes>. drama, drama, drama. <laughs> Brianne, all right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, Brian. In spite of your diagnosis, though, Brian, I know you have not let anything stop you from using your skills to benefit others. Can you tell us a little more about your mission to provide bicycles to children who do not have one of their own and through the Bike Elves project? How many bikes have you fixed? Well, to date, we have fixed 6,232 bikes. Oh, wow. In 10 years. Nine years. Nine years. Nine years. Nine years. So tell about the, the first year. The first year of that after my diagnosis, I, I struggled. My brother-in-law showed up one day with a trailer full of broken bikes. I fixed up the bikes and they sat in the driveway. One day, Ann asked me about children needing bikes, so we gave a couple of bikes away. Mm. Before I knew it, people were giving us bikes. I was fixing them up, and Ann was giving them away. Pretty soon, I needed some help. She was only giving me one bike at a time to fix. And I would start. I had started to notice bikes were stacking up. And Ann, the teacher, became Ann, the student. Oh. <laughs> so she learned how to totally work on the small bikes. That was nine years ago. We end up buying the little house that's next to us, Mm -hmm. next door. It has a workshop in the back of it, and the whole house is full of bikes. That was about six years ago. Wow. And it didn't take us long to realize we aren't giving away bikes. Mm -hmm. We're giving away smiles. I'm giving kids a chance to do what I did as a kid, get out and see things around them, not the iPad that's in their hand. Mm. there's more to learn outside than there is in the house that is true so true and so many kids are missing that opportunity these days because they are into electronic as opposed to being outdoor doing stuff so thank you for the opportunity that you're giving all those six thousand kids i'm lucky enough to be able to mentor some kids they want to learn so i've been teaching kids Oh, that's invaluable. That is invaluable. Thank you. Oh, wow, Brian. That's so inspiring in in so many different ways. So, Anne, 
What role do you think hobbies and passions have played in Brian's and your family's ability to meet the challenges of Alzheimer's? I think that those hobbies, the the car hobby has been huge. You know, it's there's motivation there to mm-hmm. to keep that car going and to be able to go on our, you know, go on our trips and and things like that. I think both of us have a every morning we know what we need to do. There's a motivation to get out of bed. There's a motivation to go to that shop and, and to work on bicycles. And sometimes, you know, it gets to feel like a job. And then you, maybe you'll question, well, you know, really, do we need to keep doing this? And then we'll give that bike to that kid that jumps up and down and, oh, wow. and is just so excited. Or we give that bike to the man who just got out of rehab mm-hmm. and he has no car. You're pushing, Brian's pushing the bike over to him saying, this is the bike that I fixed up for you. And he has tears running down his face. Aww. Then you know, okay, maybe it's not always fun, but there's a reason that we're mm-hmm. doing it. We're making a difference. Yep. We're, we're changing the world one smile at a time. And I do get from people, well, what can I do for you? Can I give you money? And we don't accept money. Oh, um, nice. We just, sometimes I'll tell kids, they'll ask, and I'll say, well, do something nice for somebody else. And paid forward. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That you're, in a way, when you do something nice for somebody else, you're mm-hmm. paying me. Yes. I yeah. said, there's always a neighbor in your neighborhood that his yard is all cluttered up. Their sticks, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just stop by, pick them up. Don't ask to do it more or less. Just stop by, pick them up, and take care of it. Yeah, that's really nice. And you're teaching them a really, really good value, kindness. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's really nice. That's really, really nice. That's the way I grew up. Yeah. What recommendations have your doctors uh, made towards your day-to-day activity? <laughs> well, one doctor's primary care doctor said, I'm not going to worry about you until you tell me I'm not working on bikes anymore. Okay. They all pretty much say, keep on doing what you're doing. Nice. Um, they're happy with the results. That's so, That's and true. we have kind of, as, as time has gone on, Mm-hmm. Like, I think right at first, Brian was always worried if there was a bike request, a bicycle requested, it had to get done right away. Mm-hmm. And what we have come to at this point is, you know, sometimes people wait for weeks for things to come in the mail if they order them. Mm-hmm. So, and we aren't making people wait that long. Just because they requested the bike today doesn't mean they need it tomorrow. Right. And so we have kind of carved out that that Brian works on bikes about four days a week. We try to give him Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 
um, a break. And, you know, we also take breaks during the winter. And we also, you know, we also just have to have time to do fun things with our family. Right. And um, do fun things for us. So that's good. So you have to balance what time you spent on that and what time you spent on yourselves. Right. That's important. So I understand you are planning an adventure, the next adventure with Brienne, your car, yep. this fall. What type of road trip are you planning? Oh, this road trip we're planning in October is mm-hmm. to drive down into Chicago on Route 66. That's where we'll start. Okay. And we'll drive to Afton, Oklahoma, where we will be meeting up with about 25 other cars. There are 55, 56, and 57 Chevys and travel as much of Route 66 as possible. We'll be stopping at different venues along the way for sightseeing. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's some hotels in the route. We'll end our trip in Bakersfield, California at the uh, big national drag strip that's out there. The The motel. and The motel, right? Raceway, also yes. Raceway, also Raceway in okay. Bakersfield, and that's a two-day event that'll happen. And when that's done, we're kind of hoping, depending on the weather, to go farther north and come back home the northern route back okay. down into Wisconsin. But that time of year, there's still possibility of snow so, up through the Dakotas. So we may take the southern route home. Who knows? <laughs> But we're pretty, we're pretty excited about that. You're planning. Yeah, it's, we've driven our Chevy to the East Coast, North Carolina's area. We've been as far south now as New Orleans. We've been to the fringe of Texas. Mm -hmm. We've driven all over the Midwest area. And I'm pretty confident she'll make the whole run the whole way with no problem. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Excited stuff. So um, now let's dive into the positive outlook of aging. Here at Super Ages Podcast, we speak about the aging process, including both the benefits of aging and the challenging aspects. We know that there are some challenges that can come with age, uh, both in terms of physical and mental health and well-being. So my question to you is. I would like to pose the next question to each of you. What does the process of becoming an older adult mean to you? Well, if you think positively, it will be much more positive. Looking at the bright side of the penny and just keep on. If you look negative all the time, you're not going to go anywhere. So you got to stay positive. Right. Yeah. And I, I think um, also surrounding yourself with positive people, yeah. positive things. I know that there are a lot of things on the internet, on Facebook, there are Facebook groups for people who have spouses that have um, Alzheimer's, dementia, other health problems. And I have noticed that no, some are way more positive than others. And I have kind of had to remove myself from some of those groups 
that aren't so positive. Right. And in fact, I have found a, there's a blog, there's Mm -hmm. a blog writer. Her name is, I don't know her last name, but her name is Lisa. She's taking care of her husband, Peter. And the name of the blog is, Oh, Hello, Alzheimer's. Okay. Sometimes I will go and read that because Lisa kind of thinks like I do in the positive. You can read between the lines that, you know, not everything is bright, cheery, and happy. Right. But it's how she focuses herself. Mm-hmm. And I believe if I'm positive, mm-hmm. Brian's going to be positive. Yes. Or there's a better chance of, of him, you know, it's it's just how we react. Yes. So if we react with positiveness, other people are going to react with that. Yes, absolutely. In, along that line, Anne, what have you learned about the role of positive outlook during the aging process? Well, you just have to have a positive outlook. Right. I can't. I can't. I can't have anything but a positive um, outlook, and and that's actually always probably been my personality because our children will laugh. And one of them says, you know, something maybe tragic will happen or or um, just not real good. Mm-hmm. And and he'll say, go ask mom. She'll tell you the positive side of that. <laughs> so it's, you just have to be positive. You have to be. Yes. It's what do you choose to do? And I like the example that you gave that you remove yourself from some of the groups that are not as positive because you don't want to be there and and be part of that gloomy difficult story that is going to be shared there Uh, so you always try to find the good side of things right right and that's why I mentioned um, Lisa and Peter and the the page oh hello Alzheimer's because you're going to find Lisa to be positive. Okay. And 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 she definitely has gone through struggles. Yeah. I will check this uh, blog out too. Thank you for sharing that. Does community play a role in each of your lives, whether that be the family or friends or neighbors or community groups? Does community yes. play a role? Oh, yeah. well, the community has tremendously started supporting us and encouraging us to keep doing what we're doing. We have five police departments now mm-hmm. that work with us. We received their recovered bikes after their expiration dates that they hold them. That's where a lot of our bikes come from. We have another person in Milton, or not Milton. Yes, there's a person in Milton. Yes, there's in a person Williamson. in Evansville. Evansville. Okay. And we have a gentleman that works with us in Rockford who does the same thing. We supply bikes for him. We have three bicycle companies in the area. The one that initially bicycle shop, bicycle shop that uh, initially called us mm-hmm. and helped get us started. And then as the word grew, we've had a bicycle shop in Rockford, Illinois. 
and one in Janesville, Wisconsin, come on board. Okay. And they take in donated bikes at their shops. And these are bikes that people will bring in want to have repaired. Okay. But they'll say, this will cost you this amount to repair. Mm-hmm. Why not buy a new bike? Right. So we're getting these bikes, which sometimes need very little to put them back together. Okay. In, in my you know, shop, for, ch- for children. For children. Some to adults. Use, so. The people I get a chance to talk to mm-hmm. when they come to pick up bikes are just totally amazed that we're doing this for anybody and we don't accept anything. They keep asking, well, we could use padlocks because we do like to give padlocks out with the bikes. Right. So that word is starting to get out there and we're starting to receive padlocks from various people. Uh, gentleman dropped off bike bikes yesterday before that we came to his need when his son's bike was stolen okay so that helped there um, and so because we did that we gave them a bicycle for their son when his bicycle was stolen they started talking to people that they know and he came with about eight or ten bikes for us yeah so oh that one little that one little thing we did opened something up right so that okay. now we have possibilities of of helping several more and we children. worked with a nice. police officer that is works in the school as a uh, a liaison officer a liaison officer and he had a student who comes from a low income family his mm-hmm. bike was stolen and we supplied the bike. And the next thing we know, we're involved with another officer who knows the first officer. Uh-huh. We're kind of same situation. So we're. It's, it's great. Right. Community, you know, it's is, community is, is great. So we have lots of people. And every time there's this connection, again, it's another shot in the arm that, yes, right. you need to keep doing this. You need to right. keep doing this yeah. because it's good. and. People saying, how can I help you? How can we help you? We have businesses now that say, yes, if people want to stop and bring their donated bikes and just drop them off here, and you can just come once a week or once every couple of weeks and pick them up, we would love to do that. There's a place that um, does deliveries of things in Beloit, but their Mm -hmm. business is in Janesville. So they collect bikes for us. And then when they come to Beloit, they drop the bikes off here for us and right. and go on. So, so community is huge. It is. Our family is, is huge. I call it our village because quite honestly, I do all of the cooking. So if I'm going to be out of town, one of our children lives out of town and sometimes Brian will go with me and sometimes he'll say I just want to stay home mm-hmm. so then the village makes sure that Brian's eating a nice dinner instead of what Brian will cook for himself which happens to be a bag of popcorn in the microwave yeah. so yeah, um, the the village well, is you great. have the resource available to you and right. yeah and Brian gets to enjoy that too. So talking about community, what do you think is the importance of community amongst older adults, especially those with Alzheimer's? 
I think the community knowing what's going on, that there is somebody in need to be aware that in case that person happens to get up, get out of the house and wander off, that the people just don't say, oh, there goes an old guy down the road, you know, to, to, to kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah. You know, it's time people take the time to find out who their neighbors are. Mm-hmm. You know, go back to the old, old way, the old ways where everybody knew everybody mm-hmm. and the kids never got away with anything. <laughs> it's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Like so, the, it takes a village to raise a yeah. child, right? So, yes, yeah. It does. Yeah, it's, it's very. And the more I kind of spread that idea to everybody, mm-hmm. and that kind of falls with the kids where I say, do something nice for somebody else, mm-hmm. that can blossom into a whole nother situation too. Right. Absolutely. Being positive. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So today we have each of you spoken to some challenging moments and also moments that perhaps have never expected to experience. For many of our listeners who are feeling sort out of over the incredible changes of day-to-day life amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, what message would you like to share with them? I'd say never give up. Mm-hmm. Work on a bucket list. Challenge yourself to try to do things with your other hand. You know, if you're used to being or if right-handed, mm-hmm. put it in your pocket and do it with your left. Right. Um, spouse and husband working together to be encouraging to either one. Mm-hmm. One thing I like to tell our group is, do you remember things from your past? Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly getting their other half. I said, you have photo albums. Why not get them photo albums out and talk about the past? What was fun? Mm-hmm. What did you do? Not just look at the pictures, but discuss mm-hmm. and start reopening doors that you remember mm-hmm. they're, they're closed you're you're looking at activities in your mind that are still there mm-hmm. so why lock them away you know you had interest in music will bring the music back right uh, try things you've never tried yeah those are really good good advice that you gave thank you for sharing do you have anything to add Anne, on that I was going to say, you know, focus on other people. And one of my favorite little sayings that hangs um, right by the door, by the light switch, it says, be the reason someone smiles today. And and I think when you do that, Mm -hmm. it, you're being the reason they smile, but it, there's, it comes back to you. Yeah. So you know, when they smile, when you've done something to make them smile, that that it not only helps them, it, it also helps you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my other question to each of you is what message would you like to share for those experiencing Alzheimer's disease and for those supporting a loved one uh, with Alzheimer's disease? So I always go back to something that my mom stressed to me when I was a child. Mm -hmm. And I always keep this in my mind when I'm reacting to something. And that's as simple as do unto others 
as you would have them do unto you. Mm -hmm. I, you know, sometimes things will happen, things will get broken, lost, whatever. I am always, always try to be as positive as possible and not make Brian feel awful about it. Because our world does enough of that. I don't need to add to that. And if I was in his situation and I was the person that I lost my wallet, I lost, you know, whatever, I wouldn't want him to be anything but positive with me. So why would I be anything but positive with him? And I think we, that some of those pages where people were talking about their spouse so negatively, I'm like, I can't. I can't do this. I can't believe you would say that or you would do that because I'm not going to do anything to someone else that I don't want them doing to me. So that's, that's my message. And thank you for sharing that. That just warms my heart. Um, You just said it so beautifully and so authentically it's it's just a nice thing to share and i hope people who listen to this podcast take this message with them because it's it's just perfect it's just a perfect message to send out and how about you brian well you're never too old to learn something new mm-hmm. doing something nice for someone else mm-hmm. that'll make their day and yours too yeah I try to be courteous to people. Mm-hmm. I still say, yes, sir. No, ma'am. And people ask me, why do you do that? You don't have to do that. That's respect. Yes. Well, you're as old as I am. I said, yes, sir. I might be as old as you are, but my way is showing respect. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. And my final question to both of you is, what do you do for self-care? Well, I find it that I spend time, want to spend time with our grandchildren mm-hmm. to share my knowledge with our boys about the old cars, working on cars, mm-hmm. and just in general, being there for family when they're in need. Mm-hmm. Um, I may not be able to put out the fire, but I'll be there to help. Right. That's great. That's great. Thank you. How about you, Anne? Well, for self-care... I would say prayer is a huge thing. I mean, I, for me, I, um, Brian needs more sleep than I do. And if I get out of bed, he knows it. So he does. <laughs> he comes, like, even if I'm too far on that side of the bed, he's following me. And so <laughs> I, um, I find that quiet time in the morning when he's still sleeping and at just time of reflection and prayer and, and thinking about all the things I'm thankful for, grateful for. I also, you know, also the things that I, you know, I'm praying for, for help with, but for the most, I really try to, to do prayers of thanksgiving. And then the other things, I love to do crafts. And so I try to carve out a little bit of time 
to do some craft things. We get really old bicycles that are so cute, but kids will never ride them. And there's kind of a movement now to use them as garden art. And so I will take, I take them and I hide them so nobody scraps them out. And then like, I'll take a day and I will paint them bright colors. And then I donate them when I hear that there's like a benefit going on or somebody's doing fundraising for Alzheimer's Association or for somebody who's got cancer or something. Um, I will just donate them. And um, last year, somebody was doing um, fundraising for their walk. I'm not good at putting together big fundraisers, mm-hmm. but I I was like, here you go. And I gave her three bicycles That's and nice. she was able to go ahead and, and raffle those off. So that's, that's what I do. That's amazing. I just like take that time and do something fun that I like to That's wonderful. Thank you both for sharing those with me and for joining me today on this Super Ages podcast. And thank you for sharing your important perspectives. You're welcome. Um, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to Super Aging Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it so. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us by making a comment or emailing us at superagingpodcast at gmail.com or connect with us on social media. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe and review the show. And until next time, remember that self-care is self-love. Take good care.